Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. All right. Are we rolling? Hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Jersey Joe. And today we have a special guest here on uh, Heads Up Hockey. Uh, we have Neil Villapiano of the Devil's State of Mind Hockey Podcast Network. Yep. Uh, today is going to be an interesting day because we all know with the election going on and the COVID-19 going on, we figured that it would be a much more positive idea where we have to bring you something good to look forward to. Right. Uh, not just now. But especially with 2021 rolling a few months away, um, especially with the players in Europe that we have from the Devils and currently have been drafted. So, Neil, who do you want to start off with? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I think the guy that most people want us to start with probably has to be Alexander Holtz. I think he would probably be the first player that people would say, oh, let's you know, we want to talk about him because a lot of people that I've spoken with, I, I put out a poll a day or two ago and I said, you know, what player are you guys most excited to see like, you know, in the future? And of course, it it's been like a whopping, you know, Alexander Holtz, Alexander Holtz, you know, people really, really are excited with this kid and they want to see, you know, what he's what he's capable of. And, you know, playing for your uh, garden IF in the, in the Swedish Hockey League or SHL, in case anybody wanted to look that up. Um, you know, he's actually been doing very well. And it seems like ever since he got drafted, it's almost like he just took his game to another level. Like now he just has even more confidence in himself and his own ability as a hockey player. And going into the draft, a lot of people expected him to have the best shot in the, in the entire draft. And I think he's shown that several times. And a lot of Devils fans, particularly if you're on Twitter, have gotten the opportunity to see a lot of the games that he's played so far. And he's actually had a lot of success, you know, through eight games, he has four goals and two assists. And, you know, one thing that's even more exciting is that we're very, we're, we're not that far away from the world junior championships. And that's, that's something that devil's fans have to be excited about because we're going to have seven to possibly 10 prospects in our system playing in that same tournament. So we're going to be represented very much. And that's going to be a great way for Devils fans to really see the future of this team. And talking about it with Holtz, you know, because he is Swedish. So he's playing on the Swedish national team right now. He's currently on the Swedish team's first line and also its first power play. So a lot of people would assume that Alexander Holtz is probably the best player on the under 20 team going into the world junior championships. And I think the Devils really, really, are super ecstatic to have this kid in their system. And if he keeps progressing the way he has been, I think you might actually give him a look in training camp um, when that, whenever that actually starts. Yeah, you, you know when we were talking on Twitter and with a couple other Devils podcasters, writers, um, I always <laughs> say to people, you know, it's not only great to have the best talented player in your pool, it's also great to have a great pool of talented players in the in the whole entire system because now you have the internal competition and you know this only drives the team to be better internally 
and mm-hmm. it helps make it harder for Lindy Ruff to make those cuts. And then it gives uh, Recky and a couple other of the coaches uh, to work with these younger players and get to know them better. Uh, Rogalski got, you know, named the uh, the goaltending coach. He oh, came yep. over uh, from St. Louis. He was under Martin Bordeaux's watch in St. Louis as assistant GM. And the Devils have a goaltender that they drafted in Nico Dawes. And, yeah. you know, Jake Wakely, you know, my host on the uh, the Raising Hell in Jersey podcast that we've done, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know he's pretty high on him, you know, especially I saw a little bit of Nico uh, last year playing for Team Canada, watching uh, Kevin Ball. But let's not get too much onto uh, the whole Ottawa 67 stuff, but I mean, talking about the world juniors for a moment, you know, Canada still is going to be a pretty solid team. Don't get me wrong. I think Sweden's got a really solid team going forward. Um, Lucas Raymond, you know, could have easily slipped if it weren't for Detroit. Um, then you got, uh, Dawson Mercer, whose, uh, campaign has been, uh, kind of riddled with COVID-19 in the QMJHL. Right, right. And, and talking about Dawson Mercer, I mean, before we had to stop and play in the in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, he was on a tear. He was really on a tear. Um, you know, four goals, three assists. Um, but, you know, he, he really was doing a tremendous job. And actually, they just came back on uh, November 3rd. So now they're finally back to playing. And I also checked a lot of people's projections as to what the under 20 Canada team is going to look like. And it looks like to me that Dawson Mercer is probably going to be on that team. And it might be either the second line or pro or certainly on the bottom six for him. But again, just having it, even just one player from your organization playing for a, a you know, a, a big country like Canada, you know, that that's really, you know, that really means a lot. Um, I don't know if Nico Dawes, is going to get an opportunity. Um, I didn't see that he got an invite. What was that? I think he might be a little old or something like that, or he might not reach the cutoff. Right, because both him, because him, Ty Smith, and I think Kevin Ball are all over the age that would allow them to play. So that's why they're not there. Because I think some people were asking me, why was Kevin Ball, why was Ty Smith, and even why was Nico Dawes not on the team? And, and I think it mainly has to do with the fact that they're just not, they're just too old to be playing in that, in that. But um, I know Ty Smith and Ball did play together in the World Junior Championships last year. So they do have a little bit of history. But going back to Dawson Mercer, yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity for a lot of us Devils fans to get a even better look at this kid playing on a national, an international stage. You know, people are going to be watching him. And if he could step up and contribute to hopefully a very successful run in the WJC for Team Canada, you know, that's going to up his, you know, it's going to up his, I, I guess you would say value to the organization uh, moving forward. So again, another player that we definitely have to keep our eye on. And if he keeps playing the way he started this season um, with uh, Shikudni Saganese, I mean, it's going to be, what do you mean? yes. Yeah. He's going to, if he continues to play that way, I would not be shocked if maybe you know, towards the end of this season, if like, let's say the Devils are not in a playoff spot and they're just trying to see what they have, he might get a call. He might get called up and say, hey, here's your opportunity. 
you know, it, that may very well be. But, uh, you know, he's a kid that a lot of people, you know, said was steal. You know, people were surprised that he was there when the Devils took him. I think a lot of people thought he was going to get taken two or three picks earlier, but he was there. And I think it kind of changed Tom Fitzgerald's, you know, draft board a little bit and said, I think we just got to go with the best player on the board here. And that's what they did. And they took Dawson Mercer. And he's a kid that I think has a potential to be a guy that can very well be in the NHL in the next two or three years. I've, I've actually, you know, I've read, you know, a little bit of scouting reports. I've written stuff on him before. When I see him play, you know, in the QMJHL in his draft year, what I noticed was, you know, the 200-foot game gets mentioned a lot, but it's that physical game, that strong on the puck, mm-hmm. high danger presence, and that will to get the board battles in the favor of him and his team, which is where the Devils usually get bullied, you know, at the NHL level. You know, he's got so much size for a kid his age and a lot of muscle mass. Right. And he's got that good Newfoundlander shot. Like, you know, we're used to Purcell, a really younger Michael Ryder. Uh, just to throw a few Newfoundlanders out there. I mean, we could throw we could throw in Ryan Clough a little bit because of the body size, you know. Yeah, and the physicality that you know you're gonna have a really good Newfie out there. I yeah, just think I just think he's gonna be probably the best Newfoundlander in this like decade if he can be more established. Now, yeah. let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, Steve Cornianos was on the Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. You know, thanks to Jake, uh, who's not with us now. Um, you know, Corneanos pointed out that, you know, the way that, um, Mercer plays is plays to that, you know, that stereotypical hockey Canada, you know, tough, gritty can score, you know, will wear you down. And I think that's one of the reasons why they could compete for a medal easily. And I will, I wouldn't be surprised if they win another goal. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is, I think this, you know, like any, like every year, this is just another very talented Canadian squad. Uh, one that's certainly going to be probably competing for a medal and, and I think most likely going to end up competing for the gold medal. I would be surprised if they weren't in the gold medal game. Um, but obviously, you know, chemistry is an important thing and that, you know, that will remain to be seen. But, you know, Dawson Mercer, what, you know, you mentioned it, you mentioned it, Joe, and I really like it is that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the young players that the Devils have on this team right now, they're not big body. Yeah, they can skate. Yeah, they can be creative. Yeah, they can make plays. But when it when they get lined up and they get hit, sometimes they just, you know, they can't stand on their feet or they get knocked down too easily. And I think, you know, let's use Nico Hishier as a really good example. Nico in his first year, he got banged around a lot. I mean, he really got I mean, first game against Colorado he gets slammed to the boards and obviously, you know, the devils, you know, came to his rescue and everything, but he went hard, like, because he just doesn't have a lot of strength. And then there was a lot of criticism of that as well when they got to the Stanley cup playoffs and they lost in that five game series against the Tampa Bay lightning. What Nico did in the off season is he put up 20, 25 pounds of muscle. And even now he's a lot bigger. He can handle the physicality of the game. And Jack Hughes, now going into his second season, you're already hearing he's put on a lot of muscle mass. Because, again, when you first get in the NHL, the, the, the number one thing that people notice right away from a player's perspective is how physical and how big 
these players are. No matter whether you're a, an offensive player, a defensive player, or you're a goalie, like you have to build up your strength. And I think Dawson Mercer has already kind of done that before he even steps on an NHL ice. And I think that will be an advantage to him once he gets the NHL. He's a guy that I honestly project to be on our third line, a, a scrappy player that can get us 15, 16 goals a year, could be maybe be on our second power play, could very well be on the penalty kill. He could be just that type of guy that we look for in every single key situation and we put him out there. He could very well be the next Blake Coleman if I want to use Or a, even better than a Coleman. Or even better, exactly. A, again, a guy that can be dependable in all phases of the game. Right. So, you know, that brings me to the point of every player is different in their bell curve stage. So, to me, like, when I watched Nico Heischer in his first year, I kind of had an idea where he may not score around 50 points, but he did look very good with Taylor Hall. He looked pretty good on the first two lines. He yeah. had that instant chemistry. He he had that Datsyukian, um, you know, stick handling, you know, in the defensive zone, you know, taking away time and space. Right. You know, I noticed there's a lot of similarities with, I wouldn't say Jack Hughes' game, but I've noticed that there's – actually pretty good uh, defensive structure for a guy like Muhammad Dulin, where Ooh. I've seen him at points, you know, take the, take a few hits here and there uh, playing defense. Right. And he, when he skates for a guy, his size, he actually can hold his own, but it's his line mate that, you know, causes the trouble. I've right. seen it where Salavat Yulayev um, had a, a bad game against, I think it was um, not Metallurg. I think it was CSKA or something like that. They were okay. locked like four to nothing or something, but okay. two of which were on his uh, teammates' side of the ice. And I was trying to explain to Matt Junio, who writes for Pucks and Pitchforks, uh, what I saw. And I, I said, he did a good job holding his own end of the ice. If the other guy, being his teammate doesn't hold his yeah. end of the bargain. Yep. You're 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 gonna not have pretty good chemistry, and you're gonna have that guy work twice as hard to be as efficient. Which yeah. I think the Devils have something that they probably fixed already, given the fact that they have you know Riley Walsh, you have Ball Ohutyuk, you have all these kids that are lined up, you know, mm -hmm. possibly for a short camp. And it's going to be like a rapid fire. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I think one of the advantages, you know, one of the things that we have to remember, and I want Devils fans to understand, is that we're one of the seven teams that's going to get an extra start time to training camp. We're going to have an earlier start time and be given more of an opportunity to get into game shape. And honestly, I think through the first month and change, that's going to be an advantage to the Devils. It's, you know, they're probably going to come out in some games early on where they're just flat out, you know, faster, they're, you know, more disciplined, you know, they're just more in shape just because they have that advantage. Um, if you want to talk about Muhammad Dulin, one of the things that Holtz. I'm really excited about him is that just like Holtz, ever since he got drafted, he's almost elevated his game to another level. Like he's just gotten better. It just, he has this, you know, unwavering amount of confidence. 
you know, he's been a mainstay, you know, for Ufa in the KHL. Like he's played in every game but one because they depend on him so much. He's played in 24 of the 25 games already this season. That's that's really good. And then you look at it, two goals, five assists, seven points in those games, top 10 scoring on his team as a defenseman playing in the heart in the second hardest league in hockey other than the National Hockey League. If he's having that amount of success at his age there, even though the NHL is somewhat of a transition, you know, smaller ice, maybe, just, you know, you're obviously going up against the best players in the world. You know, you, you do get some great talent in the KHL, but it's not, you know, not compared to what you get in the National Hockey League. You know, you're seeing that and you get, sit there and say, geez, I think the Devils might have actually hit a home run with, with this pick. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it. I don't think any of us thought Mohamed Dulin was going to be picked by the Devils in the first round. In fact, I didn't know who he was until he got drafted. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I actually, I will say the same thing. I'm in the same boat. Um, however, when, when usually I hear the name, the KHL, I always assume it's one of the hardest leagues for a young guy to break through. And right. back to Steve Corneanos, he goes, you know, having a, a coach or whoever telling the coach to play this kid because this kid's that good, you know, despite being what, 18 years old, almost 19, almost 19. You yep. know, he's probably too competitive for the VHL and so far out of the league of the MHL, MHL being the, like right, the, the, the second the junior, below the junior hockey, league, the yeah. other tier of the junior right. hockey there. And that's why, um, yeah you don't really hear much about Arseny Gritzer because he may not be ready to play at the KHL level as much, but he has to play the MHL before the VHL had to start up. So that's kind of like where things are going with certain devil's prospects in the KHL. And uh, Jillian Kemmerer actually spoke very highly about guys like Muhammad Dulin And I know some people, I love Will Scouch and I love Rachel Dory. Um, with their analytical side I tend to disagree with the eye test it's not always numbers numbers I see as as performance and results with numbers Mm -hmm. so if I can see that Muhammad Dulin can perform his defensive zone exits his neutral zone entries and being a better puck carrier and entering the zone with ease and controlling the puck better than when he was drafted, that tells me a whole lot. Because like you said, the Devils knew something special with their Russian scouts. Right. They have, they, I mean, you could, look, first of all, let's just be honest. Ever since the Devils, you know, came to New Jersey and, you know, especially since Lou Lamarell took over, you know, Lou already always had an infatuation with Russian prospects. Even I mean, he's I, yeah, of course. I mean, it's just, <laughs> That's how it is. And ever since then, the Devils have created a system with regards to their Russian scouts that they, you know, scout that nation very heavily because they know that there is a lot of talent to be looked at and evaluated every single year. So the Devils clearly saw something in Mohamed Dulin and they said, I don't think this kid is going to be available in the next, in the second or third round. So we might as well take him now because he's the best player on the board, on our board. Because he might not have been on the on any other board in the first round for any other team, but the Devils might say, "Look, he's the best player there. 
we got to take him now. Although, and especially because if they hadn't taken a defenseman in the first round, I think we all would have been a little bit critical and a little bit nervous because it would be like, why are we not upgrading our defense and making it a little bit better? But another thing about Muhammad Dulin, and then I want to talk about uh, Gritsiak for a minute. Yes. Uh, Muhammad Dulin, uh, he was named to, the Ru- to Russia's World Junior Camp. Not a surprise. And what makes it even more intriguing, he's an alternate captain. What does that tell you? Leadership skill. Exactly. That tells you that this kid has leadership and he's 18 going on 19 years of age. This kid has already matured well, well beyond his own age. And that is something that is huge for, for the devils looking forward. And considering that we have a lot of young, talented prospects on the defensive, uh, you know, on the defensive front moving forward, you know, Kevin Ball, Riley Walsh, Ty Smith, you know, guys like that. You had a Muhammad Dulin, and it's almost like we are creating that culture that Tom Fitzgerald said that he wanted to create with leaders, with guys that are good locker room people who want to do what's best for the team and not for themselves. And I think Muhammad Dulin is that type of player. And so it's not just that he's been performing, you know, stats wise. He also is an impact in the locker room for a team. And he's very, very bright. He's, you know, he's matured beyond his age, and it's really important. Now, talking about Gritsiak, he also is going to be on the um, Russia's World Junior Team, or at least he got invited to camp. At least right. that's what we know at he's this point. He's got to make it first if he's invited. Exactly. Which and Valerie Brogan has a very, very serious history with yeah. you know, playing young guys under 20. Usually has a bunch of 19 guys and – you know, mostly 18ers and maybe one 17er at least. So yeah, it's going to be very competitive. Yeah. And let's face it, you know, Russia wants to win. So they're going to try their best to have the, even if the kid is 17 years of age, if he can, if he's the best player on the team, he's going to be put in the lineup. I mean, that's just how it, that's how it is. But talking about Gritsiak, here's the thing that I, I find very intriguing. He's played in three different leagues this season alone. He's played in the VHL. He's played in the MHL and he's played a little bit in the KHL. What does that tell you? This kid has potential through the roof. Like this kid has the ability to be a very, very good player. And the way that his team is bringing him along, they're bringing him along correctly. They're, they're, con- they're taking their time with him. They're not rushing him. They understand that it takes some time to get used to every single league. And that's what they've done. And playing for, you know, avant-garde Omsk, you know, yeah, he doesn't have any points through six games, but that doesn't mean that he's still not contributing in other facets. I think a lot of hockey fans, particularly younger hockey fans, the thing that they always look for is, well, how many points does he have? How many goals does he have? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean, Joe, right? Like, like, it's like the, sorry to like the social media crowd. I know, like, usually when I'm on a Devils Facebook group, you know, I'm usually just reading a little bit here and there but what i will say is over the years like oh why aren't you putting up x amount of goals x amount of assists but really what what comes down to let me bring this down to a perspective alexi lafreniere the year before his draft year he didn't perform much or at all points wise and guess what happened to quentin byfield he didn't have that much of effect. However, they both were good away from the puck. Right. Why do you think these guys were in the top two 
selection mm-hmm. of their respective NHL drafts because some guys take a little bit longer to learn the pressures of being at a U20 World Junior environment, especially when they had fans in the stands. Right. Um, no, but they won't this year. No, of course not. Well, I mean, you're talking about from the KHL's perspective because I thought that they said that they like there's some teams – I was thinking about um, Alberta or something like that. Oh, Alberta. Yeah. Well, they're obviously no fans. You know, we, we know. That's a bubble. Right. Exactly. They're playing basically where, you know, where the Stanley Cup finals was in here. I mean, basically. But, you know, going back to Gritsiak, you know, he's done really well in the MHL, you know, through six games, four goals, five assists. That's, that's pretty consistent. That's pretty consistent. So he probably needs a little bit more time. In, in the, I guess, if you want to call it the minor leagues, so to speak. Yeah. You want to call it that. He needs a little bit more time in there, and I don't think that's an issue. I don't, you know, but the fact that he's been given an opportunity to play a handful of games in the KHL tells you that the organization that he plays for feels excited about this kid. They know that he has potential, and they just want to bring him along correctly. They don't want to rush things. They don't want him, to, they don't want to put too much on his plate right away. And going, you know, having the opportunity now that most likely he could be on Russia's national team going into the World Junior Championships with Mohamed Dulin, they could build chemistry. They can build a relationship while playing together. Obviously, you know, it's two different positions. He's a winger and Mohamed Dulin is the, a defenseman, defenseman. But, they're, but they're part of the same team. And it will allow Devils fans and people within the organization to continue to evaluate and look at these kids and say, Okay, how do they de- how do they work together? How does it work? Are they play same penalty kill? Like, what are we looking for here? You know what I'm saying? So it's the, the it's so again, Gritsyuk is a guy that I'm not going to say is a hit or miss prospect. He's a guy that if he's developed correctly, and the Devils, I think sometimes you know maybe rush guys. In my opinion, they rush some players and hoping that they'll you know catch on very quickly. If they just take their time with this kid and let him go as well, you know, and look, they got time. They have a lot of time with this kid before they sign him to a contract. Um, you know, it, it could very well work out. And I'm not saying that, you know, this kid's going to be a star in the making, but he could be a player that could come in when he's 21, 22, 23 years of age. And he just adds, you know, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of playmaking and is a solid penalty killer, you know, down the road. That's kind one of like, things that I've heard like, also. Kind of like Coleman was and maybe a little bit similar skill to Jesper Bratton in a way. Yeah, I mean you could you could put him in that. I, I would I you know, I would say more like, you know, I'm trying to think of like a player that really kind of fits what I'm saying. I, here's a here's one. I would say that Gritsiuk is a little bit more talent, a little bit more talented version of a Steven Gianta, if that makes sense. Yeah. Gianta was really good fourth liner, third liner. Right. And he scored, you know, seven, eight goals a year. You know, that, you know, and they were timely goals. They were not like in times when it didn't matter. He would come through in those timely situations when the team needed a big penalty kill or a goal, whatever. You know, he's standing in front of the net, you know, tipping pucks. That's what he was good at. Gritsiuk, from what I've seen, plays that similar role. That's what a lot of, you know, that's what his teams expect of him. And as a result, it makes it, you know, he make he makes himself more valuable to more teams because they say, oh, this kid can do this, 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 and this. 
And that's, if you can make yourself, you know, more reliable in three, four, five different facets to the game, you're going to get a lot more looks and you're going to get a lot of looks very quickly. And that's why I think he's gotten the opportunity to play in the KHL a little bit. But, um, you know, these two guys are definitely going to be on my radar once the World Junior Championships begin. I think Muhammad Dulin is probably a surefire in. I mean, he's an alternate captain. There's no way he's not making the team. Gritziak, I think it's 50-50 right now. Um, but I would sure love to see him make the team, no doubt. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, usually, like, I already started, like, 10 prospects already in the 2021 draft. I already did a short shift on three players, if you didn't know, that I put out on Twitter. I I think we were talking about that, yeah. And so what I, I usually do is, like, I try and get as many prospects in. Usually there's that old cherry ore tournament which is now the red and whatever match now okay they call it but it's the prospects game and i right. usually write a bunch of notes on guys that i think that stood out the most and that's what i usually do during the world juniors and okay. so what i do is like um what caught my eye was i saw holtz and raymond play together mm-hmm. and i saw that Raymond completed Holtz's game um, being more of the setup guy and Holtz was the finisher. I was like, if this kid could finish X amount of plays like that, you know, scoring, Jack Hughes is not going to have a problem having a guy near and long-term completing wonderful scoring drives, you know, mid to high danger at the NHL level. But I really wanted to talk more about Nico Dawes because – you know, I know he's probably a little bit too old for um, Team Canada, but he's going to be ready to come up, maybe come to camp. And Brodeur's going to be keeping an eye on him. Yeah. But the Devils have a, a good sense about this kid. Um, yeah. They say his reflex is good. His athleticism is pretty good. His calmness under pressure is very good. What do you think? Well, the first thing I'll say is that you can never have too many goalies. I think one of the running jokes over the last couple of years is that if, you know, every year we expect the Devils to draft a goal every year. That doesn't mean he's going to be on, you know, he's going to be in the organization two or three years down the road. But at the same time, you know, there had, you know, when you see a goalie like that, especially because with Nico Dawes, he was the top American, you know, North American goaltender in the draft. And when the Devils had the chance to select him, Again, it was probably one of those situations where it was best player on the board. We got to take him because we're trying to develop, you know, we're trying to create as much depth as possible. And the other thing is this, and let's be, let's be real. We don't have a definitive long-term solid backup behind Mackenzie Blackwood. Now the Devils did sign Corey Crawford for a two-year deal, but they signed him to a two-year deal because if Corey Crawford doesn't pan out that much this year, the Devils can just leave him exposed in the Seattle expansion draft and they can just move on from him. Mm-hmm. The Devils have some young, you know, goalies that show promise. Gilgisen is very high on my radar. You know, he played one game last year in the NHL and that was about it. Um, yeah, the defense let him out to dry. And the defense way. screwed him over. But then again, everybody was getting screwed over. Nonetheless. <laughs> Gilgisen, <laughs> exactly. Gilgisen. I would like to hope that as he continues to develop, 
that not only can he be a guy that we can rely on in the future, but also a guy that, you know, Switzerland can rely on because here's the thing. Switzerland doesn't have a lot of NHL goalies. And I'm not trying to, you know, they haven't had a true number one goalie since Jonas Hiller, who yes. I had the pleasure of interviewing a few months ago. Right. Um, so, and I was talking to Jonas Hiller about Gilgisen, and, you know, Hiller didn't know very much about him, but the evaluation that he gave me was that, look, if the kid can play, if the kid can play, you know, he deserves to be given an opportunity. And I think Gilgisen, I really think that he is the, the, you know, the missing backup goalie that we've been lacking. Um, that's not saying that I'm crapping on Nico Dawes. I'm no. not. Because if Gil Jusen doesn't work out, it could be Nico Dawes. Or, you know, we have Evan Cormier, who we're actually recording this on his birthday. So happy birthday. Yeah, that's correct. Happy Thank birthday, you. Evan. Um, we still have him. And we still have Cole Brady playing at Arizona State. So you got a couple uh, we players have a, that you can uh, let pan out and not have to right. rush. We have a multitude of options, but I know the Devils are very high on Nico Dawes. Um, he played really well last year um, in the OHL. The question, right, right. And the question is, is he, is he the goalie of the future other than Blackwood? We don't know. We don't know. And he won't really have much of it. What was that? You have three unknowns about the goaltending. <laughs> we have too many unknowns to say, yes. you know, to say the least. That's, again, still probably the number one or at least certainly number two problem that we have right now. But Nico Dawes could be somebody that the Devils just invite to training camp, maybe, you know, give him a couple days to kind of, you know, feel everything out because I don't think – any team is going to have the ability to have that developmental camp, which is so important in my opinion, because then fans, um, players who are already on the team and people within the organization can get a personal, you know, relationship with these young players. And we can say, you know, what, how'd this kid do? I remember, do you remember uh, Fabian Zetterlin? You remember Fabian him? Zetterlin, right? Yes. You remember him last year? Absolutely kicked ass. He was pretty solid the way right. he just um, – someone described him a few seasons ago that he's a more North American-style Swedish forward who could easily play, you know, middle six pairing minutes yeah. at, at tops. And right. I would like to think that if you have him, you have maybe Quokinen, maybe Bokvist. Bokvist, yeah. You could have both this not feel like he's going to get muscled off the puck much, but you could have Quokinen, who being the Finn, you know, they all come in swift and, you know, some, someone can be the decoy for the other guy. The other guy can be the skill guy that gets open, yeah. creates the plays. Mm -hmm. And I find Zetterlin could be the type of guy that creates the chaos yeah. uh, down in the, the danger zone. And the high danger that is, technically. Yeah. And, a, you know, wait for, like, a nice, you know, little laser of a wrister and right. tip it in and get a good rebound. And right. that's what I think Mark Recchi's coming into play, where he's going to teach these guys, you know, this situation, that situation, 
power play five on yep. five where you have a hall of famer similar to Adam Oates's stature um, that we yeah. haven't had in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think Recky's even better uh, in that sort of uh, yeah. forward mindset, nothing against Adam Oates uh, from his year in 2011, 2012. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, so going back to what I was saying, you know, Fabian Zetterlin, he really made his, you know, made, you know, a lot of people take notice of him because I remember when the Devils went to Buffalo and played in that, you know, prospect tournament against the Bruins and like also Hockey, I think. Yeah. He really stood out. He made a lot. He was really, really good. And I was sitting there and saying to myself, where did this kid come from? Cause I don't remember us drafting him. I don't like, I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> and he's off to, I would say he's actually off to a solid start playing for AIK in the hockey. And I'm going to say this name wrong. The hockey Alsvenskan. Alsvenskan, which is the, this is the tier below the SHL. Right. Right. And he's, and he's done well, a goal, two assists in four games. Um, I don't know if he signed officially. I don't think. Oh, sorry. I I can check that out for you. Off the top of my head, I don't know, but. I'll dig. (laughs) But. My point is just simply this, you know, there are going to be players like Nico Dawes that are probably going to get an opportunity to be invited to training camp just because, you know, they probably won't make the team, but they want to be, they, the, the organization wants to evaluate them, you know, in person, see them, one of themselves, okay, what do we have in this kid? Because I don't know what the OHL situation is with regards to playing. I don't even know. So they're kind of, in limbo and you know if nico has to lose a year that could be very you know detrimental to his evaluation mm-hmm. um he might then just be given an opportunity to come to binghamton if we need a if we need a goalie there uh, all right so not to cut you off but um cutting into fabian zerlin yes he plays for the uh the parent club in the hockey Al Svenskin for AIK was number 99 for a fun fact for you uh, Devils fans, hockey nerds out there. Five foot 11, 218 pounds for a 21 year old birthday. So uh, he's, he's simply got a lot of muscle mass. If you ask me for a guy, his size. Right. And, you know, like I said, you know, it's good to have him in the Al Svenskin where he doesn't need to be rushed, but if AIK needs someone to call up, they have a guy that they can trust in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, is he signed? Do they, do they have him? He, signed? yeah, it says NHL rights, uh, New Jersey Devils backslash signed. Okay, um, great. So we, so we have 2017. I think that could be a kid that, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year could be a, a camp invite or, you know, developmental camp. If they, you know, I don't know if 22 year olds get invited to something that like that. I'm not sure, but I think, I think there might be other things that are contractual. Right. Of course. Of course. He might be more of a, interesting. He might be more of a kid that most likely could be playing with Binghamton, maybe even this year depending on, you know, certain, certain, certain circumstances. Um, oh yeah. But, you know, look, we have a lot of players that let's face it to most Devils fans. They're like, these kids are, we probably will never see them. And you might be, you might be absolutely right. You might be, look, not every player that gets drafted uh, by a team 
is going to end up making the team down the road. You know, get traded. This or get traded. I mean, look, let's you know, the Devils did draft both Martin Berdera's sons, and let you know, not to be disrespectful, but neither one of them made the Devils team. And as a matter of fact, I don't think either one of them got close. Um, and I think one of them went into uh, a European league. Right. And I think he's still playing, actually. I think it's Anthony that's still. Yeah, playing. I think he was in the Erste Liga with, with Hungary. But that's my point. So the reason that we talk about these guys and, you know, we give you the stats. And, yeah, I mean, again, it doesn't sound like, oh, my God, this guy sounds like, you know, he's amazing. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is, is that these kids you need to keep your eye on because in case, in case, they take another major step and all of a sudden they're on the team. You're sitting there and saying, you know, I remember this kid or like, where did this kid come from? You have to keep your mind on those things. Um, one guy that Devils fans need to, you know, is a name that the Devils fans need to remember or, you know, certainly have to keep in their mind is Igor Sharangovich. I mean, yes. this kid has the Belarusian brute kicking ass in the KHL. He's one of the top He's one of the top 10 best players in the league. He's one of the top goal scorers in the league. Right. Right now he's on loan to Dynamo Mints, who I know, I have a lot Butterworth. of friends that are, I have a lot of friends who watch the KHL that are actually fans of that team. And you know, 10 goals in 21 games. That That's, is awesome. Wow. In, in the second toughest league in the world. He's doing that while top 10. He's at number six. He's nearly in the top five in scoring this year. And he's the youngest player in the top 10 in the KHL. So this kid clearly has taken his game to another level. I remember seeing him play in the preseason last year. He also played, I think, for Binghamton most of last year. And he did some good things. But now he's a year older. He's playing in the KHL. And I'm sure the Devils organization is looking at him and saying, wow, we have to really give this kid a look because he's really doing a lot of really good things. And he keeps getting better with every single game. I mean, he's... He's the best player on Dynamo, and he's the youngest player on Dynamo. And he's on loan. He's not even he's not even really under contract with that team. He's on loan to them. Yes, that's correct. He's uh, 22 years old from Minsk, Belarus. Um, he's six foot two, 205 pounds. He's a lefty. Um, yeah, he's a 98 birthday. So he's one of those guys that, like you said, he's developing. Um, looking at his past couple seasons uh, with. Uh, Belarus in 2016-2017, he had 15 goals and 13 assists in 38 games. Um, with right. the KHL in 17-18, four goals, eight assists in 47 games. So he's kind of learning, and then he goes to the AHL. He scores five more points, but getting five more goals um, in 18-19. And then last year in the shortened hockey season he played in, uh, he got 10 goals and 15 assists in 57 games. Yet, if you compare his AHL to his KHL numbers in half the span, you got less than half the span. You have 21 games played, uh, 10 goals, two assists, and 12 – I mean, 10 goals, two assists, 12 points. That's almost double the, the rate Yeah, at the second-best league. So he's, he's literally on a tear. He is on a tear, and he's on pace to have a 20-25 goal season if he continues to play the way he's been playing. I think if he keeps playing this way, by the time we actually get to training camp, 
he, I would, I would be shocked if he wasn't invited at least and given an opportunity because if he is the type of player that the devils could use in the now, then use him because if he's contributing like that and he can contribute like that in the NHL, you know, we have a very talented player. And I think we have to, you know, again, he's in the top 10 in scoring in the KHL. Right now, he's considered one of the top 10 best players this season in the, in the second toughest league in the world. That, for, for a kid that's 22 years of age, that is something that really excites me personally and mm-hmm. really shows that we might have hit a home run on a kid that was like, what, a fourth-round pick? Yeah, let me double-check that. Um, I think it was a third or fourth round pick. He was a fifth rounder in 2018. 141 picks later. Jeez, that's that's unbelievable. Um, Just imagine if he could be a little bit more better than than one of the Kostitsin brothers. Yeah. Because the Kostitsins are from Belarus. And I know a lot of hockey fans, you know, when they hear, like, Belarus, (laughs) they just think Russia. Actually – it's pretty close to like, you know, my ancestors' homeland of Poland and Lithuania. So like, literally, it's like just east of Central Europe, right? Northern Europe. So if you'd go on a train from Minsk, you could go to like Krakow. You could go to, uh, you could go to Warsaw. You could go to Vilnius. You could see why you know the KHL guys can all you know like hang out with people like uh, Dinah Zubris uh, and get to know how to play, you know, the older school hockey. But meanwhile, the KHL has gotten a lot better, but um, if people really love the physical side, Jared Govich can play physical. And I think him and Maltsev, uh, when they are in camp, I think they can do amazing things coming up where Maltsev, in that preseason game against the Rangers, did you see how well a lot of KHL players play with a puck yep. in the offensive zone? They literally use both of their feet to widen it and make it hard for people to bring them down. Yeah. And yeah, I and, and I see that as a KHL trait mm-hmm. both he's these a, players have. He's a very talented player, uh, talking about Moltsev. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of Devils fans remember him from last year scoring that incredible goal on your on I think it was not Georgiev I think it was uh, uh Shesterkin maybe Shesterkin I believe it was that he scored that goal on uh, and a lot of people then were trying to figure out where did this kid come from just like <laughs> me didn't know who he was gonna be fair but he actually had a pretty solid season last year in Binghamton 11 goals 10 assists and 49 games played he's on loan right now with arguably the most visible team in the KHL and SKA St. Petersburg and oh, yeah, yeah he has one assist and is played in four games. But at the same time, a young player playing on a stacked team, it's going to, ha- that's going to happen. And, but I will say this, a lot of criticism from him was that being a centerman, he wasn't doing that well on the faceoff percentage. I think it was less than 50% last year in Binghamton. This year with the KHL, 61% right now. That's really good that he's made his game better. And playing with a great team like SKA St. Petersburg, you know, that, that goes a long way. That's a culture of winning in, in that organization. Right. And you had guys like Nikita Gusev come from there. 
and you have these great alum that you know coaches management uh from ska st st petersburg you have right. i think that's you played for them you had Kovalchuk who played for them and you could see that you know these players go there to become a winner and right. i believe that's a good problem to have even if you can't crack the lineup that much uh what it tells is that you are considered very highly it's just that the ice time is hard to get yeah exactly because look SKC Petersburg doesn't know how long they're going to have Maltsev. So it's not about – for, for SKA, it's more about they like this kid and they want him in their lineup. They just know that he's just not going to get a lot of ice time because of how talented the team is. They're focusing – talking about St. Petersburg, they're focusing on winning the KHL. Maltsev is there primarily to, you know, to play hockey, to get in shape, and probably be given an opportunity to compete in training camp. That's his goal while he's in St. Petersburg. But while he's there, he's playing for a, a franchise that has known for winning and building that winning culture. And that's something that Fitzgerald has continued to bring out and say all the time and harp on culture, culture, culture. He wants to build a winning proud culture in New Jersey. And if he can get his players to go on loan to places where winning is very big and creating a culture like that is important, they come over to New Jersey and they bring that experience, that understanding, they know what it takes, and they can make it flow throughout the entire organization to other guys on the team and say, guys, when I was over in you know Russia with, with SKA St. Petersburg, we were doing this. Why? Because we knew it would work and it's going to create that success on the ice and better and, habits of playing right and again Moldsev can be developed into a leader by playing for a team like that because he's learning from you know you know talent around him every single night he's playing with that team so that goes a long way so even though stats wise he's not putting up numbers that make us say holy crap we're you know this is unbelievable He's doing as well as he can with the situation that he has. And that's all he really can do. Yeah. And we talk about, you know, other kids that, you know, they're playing for a winning team or they're playing in their home country. Right. And I want to move a little bit more westward. I want to go to Central Europe where I actually visit this beautiful country. Uh, it doesn't get enough recognition in hockey. Okay. Uh, it doesn't get enough recognition in the travel industry. Uh Marian Studenich, uh, he plays for uh, HC Slovan in Bratislava, the capital of Slovakia. Um, they actually uh, tested 66% of their uh, population for COVID-19 in Bratislava. But anyways, I want to let people know that he himself has scored three goals, an assist, and five games for HC Slovan on, while he's on loan. And he's on their second line, I believe, as well. If that is true, because... That's what I, 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 um, I read a prospect update from the Devils website that said he's playing on the second line as we speak. With that for, yeah, for those who are new to uh, Marion Studenich, um, he did play for the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL uh, not long ago. He's a six foot one, 181 pounds. He's 22. Don't be surprised when... You know, this loan is done that 
he could possibly make the NHL roster like third or fourth line and the Devils won't have to rush him. Right. And, you know, the Devils have had a, a really good history with uh, Czechs and Slovaks. Like, of course, they drafted Yarmir Pitlick uh, in the fourth round. Right. Uh, because of Patrick Eliash and, you know, Slovakia being the rival country, but literally they're basically siblings. Right. And you, you see this competitive culture where the Slovaks and the Czechs are always going to breathe down each other's necks and on, on the ice, but they're really their best of brothers right. off the ice. And to me, like if you can have uh, a Slovak like him in the locker room and possibly mentor Yarmer Pitlick, if Pitlick, uh, decides that, you know, he comes to camp instead of going straight to uh, the Sioux in uh, OHL, you know, you could build a couple of similar countrymen uh, yeah. to build a chemistry within the clubhouse. And mm-hmm. uh, to touch on Pitlick more, um, Pitlick is built like a, like a tank. Like, what I saw in his highlights, not only can he skate, but he's also agile. And yeah. if he gets towards the crease of an opposing goaltender, good luck trying to prevent him from crashing your net. Because with that amount of weight going towards you, you know, with that amount of gravitational forces, good luck. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the doubles a few years from now and becomes a big fan sensation uh kind of like how we have coleman but with be- i mean with silkier mitts yeah yeah i mean you know pitlick has actually done pretty well so far uh playing for the czech under 20 team i believe at the moment and he is actually the team's point leader because he has two goals and four assists for six points so far so clearly this kid is, you know has the makings to be a very very good nhl player and knowing that he comes from you know, the same country as Patrick Eliash. And Patrick Eliash, I believe, is one of the coaches. Yes, assistant coach. So they, you know, so the Devils have something that not a lot of other teams have, and that is that personal insight right on the bench to say, you know, Patrick, what do you see in this kid? Is this somebody that we need to keep our eye on? Is this somebody that, you know, is going to help us in the next two or three years? You know, what are we looking at? And he could be as honest as possible and say, you know, good or bad things and that will you know help determine um you know his future and i think that that's something that's really important there are three guys um that i don't know if we have time um, oh no no no. we got plenty of time right there's only three more guys that i really wanted to discuss uh tonight uh the first one obviously is yanni kwokinen because i'm telling you right now yanni kwokinen is going to be on the devil's team when this season starts i'm almost certain of that I think the Devils, the fact that they got him in the trade for Sammy Botnin, it was a steal. It was an absolute steal because he was the best player on the checkers. And we got him. He comes to Binghamton, and he immediately is the best player on Binghamton. He comes to New, he comes to, uh, New Jersey, and he actually was pretty good in the couple of games he actually played. And so far, you know, he's uh, he returned on loan to his Liga team in Carpot. Uh, he's had one goal and two assists through 11 games, but I'm telling you right now, 
This kid can be a 15 to 20 goal scorer if developed correctly. I think this is somebody the Devils are going to be very high on because of the fact that they got him in a trade. They think they really want to see what this kid can do. He has some NHL experience. I think that would give him an advantage that he will use going into training camp. I would be surprised if he wasn't there at training camp, but I think this kid does have the makings to be a very, very good player that can help us in the long term. I really do believe that. I, I really like the way that, you know, Liga is set up in Finland. Uh, Karpat always develops, like, really good players. And they seem to have, you know, really good uh, ways of developing these kids after drafting them. Right. Uh, then they have that uh, SM Liga, which where A2 Pakila came from. And he's starting to come along a lot better. I know most that people... That was one of the other guys I wanted to talk name. about as well. I wanted to talk about A2. I wanted to talk about him as well. So, yeah, like the Devils have really done a great job in Finland. Right. Uh, whether it's drafting guys from there or scouting guys who are familiar with the guys from Liga in the AHL and the NHL level. Mm-hmm. And this goes to show the way when Shiro and Fitzgerald were together, Fitzgerald was taking a blueprint from Shiro. Meanwhile, flipping it into his kind of own thing and starting to get those guys on the same page and what he wanted Mm -hmm. at that trade for that deadline. And I didn't think they would get Kuokanen, but really when I watched Yanni, I really wanted to go see him before the pandemic started. Right. And I was excited to see this kid. And to me, like he's got speed, smarts, sense. To me, he's got the whole package. Right. And I think his skating has come a long way and it's starting to pay dividends. And I can see why uh, Tommy Fitzgerald went all in on this guy. Yeah. They really like him. He has NHL experience. Um, and let's remember a lot of these guys that Devils have, they want to be in the NHL and they're going to try their best to get there, you know, whether it's with the Devils or not. So they're going to try their best to do what they can. And when you look at the players that are on loan, because not all these guys are on loan, but when you look at the players that are on loan, that tells you that the Devils like these kids. They want to see them play more because they have expectations for them down the road. Yanni Kokonen is one of those kids. He's been put on loan. Why? Because the Devils want him to keep playing because they want him to be ready to go once the season starts. And again, do not be surprised, Devils fans, if some of these kids if they get a shot to be on the team right away, don't be surprised if they have a little bit more of an advantage. They're skating a little faster. They're a little bit more quick to the puck than some of the other guys on the team because they'll already be in game shape by the time training camp starts. They'll have an advantage. They'll be ready to go right away. So that's something to look at. Another guy that is doing really well, Nick Merkley. I mean, the devil signed him to a one-year, two-way deal. Right. And, you know, he was loaned to SSAT in the Finnish league and four goals, five assists in 12 games. How about that highlight? If this kid plays like this, the Devils just added another talented player in a, you know, and it will just add on another win with regards to the Taylor Hall trade because Kevin Ball and the first round pick were the, were the big things in this, in this, no question about it. When Nick Merkley came, and played a couple of games. He got a black eye. You know, he roughed it up a little bit. Devils fans like were like, okay, this is this kid's pretty good. He went to he went down to the AHL. 
he had some good games. Now he gets put on loan. He goes to the Finnish league and it's kicking ass, you know, right from the time he got there. And that really sits there and you say to yourself, wow, this kid's developing his game. This kid's getting better. I mean, we're, we're getting a bonus here. If this kid can keep getting better, we're adding a bonus to that, to that trade. And I think that that's something to, uh, to keep in mind. He's on the team's first line. And I actually heard from the coach of Asa is that they said that he was a, he was just such a pleasant surprise and his pleasant addition to this team because they weren't scoring that much before he got there. Once he got there, their offense has taken it to another level because he's constantly finding himself in good positions. I remember this past week, he had a great situation where he's standing on the left side of the net, wide open, gets a beautiful pass, and he takes a one-timer into a wide open net. It was absolutely beautiful. And I said, this kid looks even better than he did just a couple months ago. Because this isn't a, this isn't like a year ago that we it's saw this like kid. We only months, saw this kid like six months ago. And it's almost like night and day he's turned into a tremendously talented player. And if he's playing like that, and if he could translate that into, into the NHL more, this kid is going to be a really, really good find. I, I honestly believe like in Finland, you know, because they have such a great structure with, they have their SM Liga, they have their Liga level. I find right. a way that they get these kids bunched up with the coaches and the coaches development staff and the way they find these kids and then they say, Hey, we'll take a guy from, you know, the USA or Canada. And they say, okay, let's bring this Merkley kid over. Um, let's get this guy playing the, our way and right. let's see if he lives up to the billing. And from what you're saying, he's living up to their billing and the coach likes what he's seeing. And I'm sure this is like, Tommy Fitzgerald's like, he's like, really like, Oh, I love this. I love right. my return on investment right now. I know. Because, I mean, it's, you know, you know, I watched that play when he did that beautiful goal. I was like, is this the same Berkeley I saw versus like Arizona or Carolina when he played? Right. Like, I, if he can play this well, mm-hmm. their second line uh, at the NHL level, there's going to be so much depth. There's going to be so many guys coming in and out of the lineup that I believe the devils could easily be middle of the road or even um, wild card. If the devil's defense and goaltending hold up and I try not to any high expectations. The biggest. I do do understand that um, this is the last year of NBC's contract. Uh, with the NHL before sure. they go on to another kind of media deal. And they're supposed to play out a full season's worth or yeah. something like that, um, where there's going to be like no all-star game. So that's what I was reading. Um, I think this, you know, post uh, COVID-19 pause, yep. um, where the new season of 21, you know, goes into um, almost – uh, June, pre-June, right. I would say, but right. because I guess they don't want to, they want to get the um, NHL uh, expansion draft going, and then yep. they want to have um, after the expansion draft, they want to have the NHL draft exactly around the same time. 
Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a sprint, not a marathon in 2021. That's basically what it's going to be from start to finish. It's going to be like, you know, it, you're not going to have that many days off. You're going to have a lot of games where you're, you're going to have a lot of weeks where maybe you're playing three games. You might be playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like just because they're trying to get these games in. Um, So with that being said, that's probably going to mean that, you know, there's going to be more bodies needed, you know, as the season progresses, because you get an injury, you don't have a lot of time to necessarily, you know, get guys to, you know, be ready. So I think that there's an opportunity for a lot of these guys that we've talked about that may get a really good opportunity to play. And also, again, Tom Fitzgerald has made it public that, look, Obviously, the team is not where it needs to be. They're not a Stanley Cup contender. We all know that. We're not even really that much of a playoff contender. We know that. But Tom Fitzgerald wants this team to be competitive. They He wants the team to win now, and he wants them to win in the future. So he's made moves this offseason to benefit us now. He's made moves as well to benefit the team in the long term. And speaking of the long term, I will tell you this. And we talked about this kid a few minutes ago, and this is kind of like the last one that I have on my list. Yeah. I love this kid because of his name. I love that he's Finnish, and I really, really hope he makes the team. Mm-hmm. And that is E2. I'm, how do you say his last name? Pakila. The, the, Any time there's this, like, A with the doubles. Yeah. The A double like that, it's an ah. 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 So E2. Like, like, like Pakila. So when you have the two L's, you got to right. say the two L's. So it's E2. Uh, e, E2 Parquila. Parquila, right. And I don't know what it is about him. And yeah, he's not signed. So obviously there's, there's a chance that he might not be on the Devils long term. I hope so. I actually think this kid has is one of those sneaky, under-the-radar players that could creep up into the Devils organization without anybody really realizing. Like, he's playing for, uh, what is it, Ilves in Liga? I know he's playing in Liga. I don't know how to say his team's name. Let uh, me see. Let me, how do you spell it? It's spelled I-L-V-E-S. Ilves? Ilves, yeah. He's playing for Ilves in Liga, and he has two goals, two assists in eight games. So he's doing pretty well. He's, de- um, he's in, doing decent. He's doing decent in, I think that's the top league, if I'm not mistaken. Liga is the is the top league in Finland. Top league. So he's playing in the top league in, in Finnish hockey. Um, this is a kid that the Devils will have to make a decision on probably within the next six to eight months. Because uh, I think his contract, ru- I think his eligibility it's, with the team runs out pretty soon. Yeah, uh, Cat Friendly will like... I don't know. I, I hope this is not like a Mitchell, a Mitchell uh, Holscher situation where yeah. the Devils just don't sign him. Uh, they don't I'm, have enough room. They may not have enough room too. It might be that as well. Um, but the other two guys that are playing in in the in, fin- in Finland are guys that are alone that are already on this team. So I don't know if you know E two is a left winger. The Devils do need left wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again. Some of the guys in the bottom six, their contracts are running out soon. So he might be a guy that the Devils need in the long term because of that depth. And I think that if he continues to play the way he's been playing, you know, being consistent, being solid, I think the Devils will say, you know what, let's give, let's give this kid a deal. 
because I think this kid can help us. Get him, go to, get him to Binghamton at least. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that if he's like to continue to play this way, I think that the Devils will give him an opportunity to play in Binghamton. And I think that'll work for him because if he's playing in the toughest league in Finland, which I believe that's the same league that um, Capo Kaka was playing in. Yes. Just last and, and Anton year. Lundell. Right. And Anton Lundell. And he's having success in that league. That makes you say, you know, and look, the Devils like Finns. This is no question. They the love their like Nordic Finns. players. They love their uh, the Russians and their Belarusian players. Right. Well they like those kids. And I really do think this kid has potential. I really do. I don't know what it is exactly, but I think this kid has a lot of potential. I think should be given a bigger look. And if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, I would really, really give him a contract and give him an opportunity to go down to Binghamton, play with that team. Because if Binghamton could build off of the chemistry that it had last year when they were the hottest team in the second half of the season and have the success they're, they're doing with, with um, Dehaney as their head coach, mm-hmm. I – I think that kid could, you know, come right in and be a really, really solid contributor and a guy that the Devils can look at and say, bottom six guy that can really help us. And that's the way we got to look at it. He could because be I, would like, rather, I would rather the Devils have their bottom six be filled with guys that are within this farm system than them going out and signing guys that are going to be on your bottom six. Right. I would, like, that's one of the reasons why I was never big on John Hayden. Because again, he yeah, wasn't. I don't the, think anyone was very high on John Hayden. I don't think a lot of people were big on Kevin Rooney. I mean, I know I wasn't, I, but that's me. Um, I couldn't but, even. I couldn't even watch. Right. Uh, nothing against Kevin Rooney is just. We had, too, we had too many nice guys, as the Devils Twitter universe used to say. We had too many nice guys on the team. Yeah, I'm. I'm more like that up yours type type player. You know. Well, you know, the thing for me is that I'm never a big fan of having your third and fourth line be guys that can't contribute on the score sheet. I would rather have four full lines that can contribute every single night, like Tampa has. That's the way I look at it. I you use roll every line. Right, like, exactly. And same thing with Vegas. You look at those teams, they have incredible depth on all four lines. They just roll them out. It doesn't matter. That's what I want to see the Devils have in the future, a team that is four lines deep offensively that can just any single one of those lines could go out there and get you a goal when they need him the most. And I think that's important to me. So I think E2 could be a guy that can help us get to where we want to be with what I'm saying. So I think that, you know, considering he's playing pretty well in the tough, in the top league in, in Finland, I think deserves to be given an opportunity uh, to come to the AHL and play when that season starts. Absolutely. Like, we have some holes in the, in the Binghamton team. So we need to fill them with, you know, with something. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, it's kind of like when you have a high school hockey team, you know, you want to have the best kids going for the best spots and tryouts. Yep. And, you know, you want those kids to graduate to the NHL level. And then you want to have someone to take in the JV team and right. fill into the AHL team. Yep. And then you kind of have, I like to, think of the ECHL and the ones below kind of like a, not a freshman league, but like a, a development league. Yeah. Type. I know what you so, mean. So it's like you, you have that there to be like, if you don't have enough room, you could, you know, shuttle a guy down there and then bring him back up, but don't do no it doubt. too many times that you develop an Evan Cormier. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, we got, look, I, I will finish by saying to devil's fans that are listening, look, just, I know you guys have heard this before, and I know you 
people are going to kill me for saying this, but just try to be patient because this is now a new regime that's taking over. And what's good about this regime compared to the Shiro regime is that Fitzgerald already has pieces in place. He's not coming to a team where he just has to completely start over. He's going to build this team in his image. He's going to do it differently than what Ray Shiro did. And a lot of Devils fans already have liked what he's done in just one offseason. I mean, even at the deadline, he did things that Ray Shiro wasn't doing and really, you know, being blunt and being honest with where the Devils are moving forward. And a lot of the guys that we mentioned in the past hour and change Mm -hmm. are guys that, you know, some of them are going to be major contributors, Alexander Holtz, uh, Sharon Govich, you know, guys like that. Right. Other guys that we mentioned, they might be guys that would be on the bottom, you know, bottom six, but are still going to be contributors. And we're going to look back and say, I'm really glad the Devils took him. I'm really glad that, you know, we kept, we kept him in the organization. And Fitzgerald is going to build this team the way he wants to build them. And that's how that's the way we see this Devils team once the Devils become a Stanley Cup contender, which I think is not going to be that far away, honestly. Maybe two and a half seasons. Two and a half, three seasons, which is not long. I will take that. Um, You'll see, you know, when when the product is finished, you'll see what Fitzgerald's team, what he wanted his team to be. And that's what we're going to get. And we have a lot of cap space, not just this season, but seasons moving forward. And we have a lot of control over a lot of the players that we mentioned. So, and the fact that a lot of them also have, you know, they have the ability to go overseas and play and get some time there. That to me is very important for their development for the now and very important for their development in the future. And these are guys that you want to keep your eye on going into this season and seasons uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I definitely would say before we uh, sign off is that like Devils fans, like we're like, we are in a new era and, you know, I know everyone wants, you know, constant, you know, improvement of results. If I were to be more positive than last year, I would say maybe we'd be about uh, 45, 49% winning of those upcoming season games versus last year. Um, Because, you know, if the league is going to do this division where uh, the metropolitan teams are going to be more localized. Right. We're just playing metropolitan teams all season. It's going to be blood bath, like, you know, talent and physical play each game it's going to be like you know like devils rangers islanders right capitals yeah you know it's you no got secret. the most compa- it's, it's columbus no the, it's no secret the metropolitan division is the toughest division in the nhl there is no secret to that um it's a grinded out you know there is some finesse in there no doubt i mean we have arguably the best score of this generation uh we have two of the best players of this generation playing in that division and Look, the Capitals, Penguins, you know, they're getting older. They're not going to be as competitive in the next two or three years. The Devils, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, you know, they're, it's going to get to that point where we're going to be part of those teams that are um, on the rise, so to speak. I don't like saying that, but, you know, are going to be, you know, moving up. And that's the big thing. And I will, I will say this, like, you know, like you, like, 
Steve Coriano's just talked about like even from a Rangers stand uh, standpoint is that you know when you have Malkin and Crosby slowly to de- digress and they start to begin to think about retiring or right. whatever, um, then those teams are going to start to cripple a little bit more. And right. we're starting to see a little bit more of that, even though they got back that Kasperi Kapanen type player in yeah. Kasperi Kapanen. But really, like, you have the Rangers got their guys, uh, the Devils have their guys that they're bringing in. And to me, like, the goaltenders in this uh, this division in hockey is only going to get much better with right. a grinded out uh, style uh, almost no days off type format this upcoming uh, season in 2021 but it's going to be a probably a full season because of the last year of NBC's right. contract where if it weren't for that they'd probably say yes we could do maybe a little less than that but really I think with the way that you know all the other things considered, I really think it's going to be a very competitive, uh, you know, league and season. And you're probably going to see a lot more young guys coming in. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a good season. I think no matter what, Um, you know, I think the devils will have an advantage if they do end up just playing the metropolitan division, because they'll see these guys a lot. Um, They're able to understand, you know, how difficult that division is to play in. And if they're having success, even, even this year, they're having success that goes a long way. And I think Fitzgerald understands that we're in a new era. You know, it's a new age of hockey can, you know, post pand well, we're still in the pandemic, but kind of like post pandemic, this is going to be the first full season of pandemic hockey. If you want to call it that, yeah. um, you know, you know, the NHL wants to have fans. I just don't think right now it's, I think that they're going to have to wait a while and really try to um, try to uh, figure that out as we go along. Um, but I think that it, this is going to sound funny in a way, but I think not having fans there might actually be a good thing for the Devils because it will allow them to then have more focus on the game itself and not worrying about the crowd atmosphere, even especially when they go on the road. If they're playing in Washington, they're playing on the island, they're playing in Columbus, they're playing in Madison Square Garden, like they'll only be able to focus on the game. And I think that will go a long way. And also it'll go back to, for a lot of these players, it'll go back to when they were little kids playing in those small arenas uh, where they had, you know, not many people watching them. It'll go back to that. And I think that will be a calming thing, especially if we have a lot of young players making NHL debuts. I think that will go a long way because the pressure won't be as much and they can just focus on the job they need to do once they get in the game. And we have a veteran coaching staff and experienced coaching staff who have won championships, albeit not the head coach, but you get my point. Right. We have a veteran coaching staff. We have good veteran, you know, leaders, Zajac, Palmieri, Subban, you know, guys, Crawford, guys like that, Ryan Murray. Um, I think that, you know, it might not be right now, but I will say this. Our time is coming. That's the way I would look at it. Um, and I might start that as a hashtag on Twitter. It just, our time is coming. I will and say this. The uprise is coming. Right. There we it, go. You know how, um, what was it? Pete DeBoer said uh, with Kovalchuk and all of them, swarm it up. 
Right. It's that that start that's going to be coming pretty soon. But the Red Army is starting to build. Right. And they're going to start marching forward, and they're going to start taking back absolutely the the, the league by uh, storm, and they're going to prove that you know in a post Doc Emmerich era of hockey that you know Cangelosi should be sc- screaming Scar! Alexander Holtz, he finishes off the beautiful drive from Jack Hughes. That's uh, that was pretty good. That was a pretty <laughs> good. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, Angeloshi impression right there, Joe. Way to go. Oh God, it's, you know when you listen to him for like I don't know. I know a lot of Red Bulls fans that are not that are not big on him, but you know, <laughs> it's it is what it is. I love Kanji. I'll, I'll always love Kanji. And, uh, you know, he brings I, out, he brings out big energy and we need that. I miss, I miss Doc. And if I had my opportunity to do a devil's uh, game like that, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that would be great. It'd be great for him to come back. But uh, obviously he's retired now and uh, I hope, I hope he's doing well. And it makes, I mean, look, 2020 has been such a crazy year. This is probably the good year to, uh, to hang it up. I think I think he's enjoyed the the champagne and bubbles and sitting back on his ranch back at the ranch. Right. He's back at the <laughs> at the dock ranch, yeah, with his dogs, his <laughs> lovely wife. Yeah, it's uh I think yeah. I think I think he's gonna enjoy retirement. I really do. I really think he's tapping into that nest egg. He's gonna listen to Chico talk. I I right. said I said one time that they should have a podcast. Oh, that would be that would be something else. That would be I think that would be one of the most listened to podcasts in the hockey world. I think a lot of people, especially people who don't know Chico Rush and don't know what he's about, um, having those two guys together, just together, is tremendous. And I think that I think Doc, I'm sure he misses doing games with Chico. I'm glad Chico's back, you know, doing games on the radio with the Devils. Um, but obviously, uh, it would be great for those two to uh get back together one last time just uh, for old time's sake. I think they should do like, you know how NBC is doing that thing in the studio. I think MSG should do that with Doc and Chico, like tuning in. There should be like Chico eats, like. From his kitchen. Yeah, From it his is kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. And, the, that would be great. and the wife makes him something good and like. Right. Yeah, like, that would be everybody, great. Everybody, this is my wife's homemade poutine. Right, right. This She's is how I'm gonna eat it. That would be that would be yeah, that would be a very entertaining thing. With a mustache. Yeah, no doubt. Especially yeah. with uh Marty Berder beat Patrick Waugh's record of 552. That I saw him eat that poutine. Like there's no tomorrow. You gotta love Chico. You gotta love <laughs> he, Chico. He actually signed my jersey. Nice, nice. Yeah. He, he one time forgot to finish it up uh, during Niedermeyer's retirement night. And I saw him like months later uh, against the Leafs. And this is also the game I met Dinah Zubers at. And nice. this was before that, um, like before the game started. And I said, hey, Chico, remember this? Take a look back there. And he's, he's going, oh, that's right. Kid, come over here. And right, uh, right in the, uh, like the, parking lot where the the players come out yeah and he comes out in his car and he and he signs awesome. the back of it he finishes it that is great that's a great story 
That's a great story. That's I don't know how many people will uh, bring up stories like that, but if anyone has an f- interesting devil story or something, tell tell it to us, you know, here on Heads of Hockey or even at Devil's State of Mind. I know you got a really good episode with Brendan Burke, the son of Brian Burke. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good it was a it was a really good time to talk to him for for a half hour or so. It was a good interview. Um, you know, um there's a good chance we got uh Greg Wyshynski from ESPN coming on in a couple <laughs> of days as well. Uh I know he's a big Devils fan. Um I was gonna just gonna say that. He doesn't mention it, but I'll I'll bring it up. But nonetheless, um, yeah, that should be that's pretty much what I got coming up. Um, you know, not this Monday, but the following Monday. But uh, you know, this this week's episode coming up will pretty much be talking about, you know, what we talked about tonight, just prospects, prospect update, you know, how guys are doing. Um, we didn't get to everybody, but, you know. But we, we hit off a lot of players yeah. from past drafts that, no doubt. you know, that are developing into something interesting where no I know most people usually don't think about as much as like the 19 and 20 classes if I was comparing this to uh, like wine, we're, we're talking about the 2017, 2018 vintages. So that's, that's just me in a nutshell, okay. trying to bring people up to speed. And, you know, we did a great job. I don't know where you want to um, hashtag anything. Um, where do you want to just like wrap up on? Yeah. I mean, well, obviously you can, you know, if- if you want me to say, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W. That's my personal Twitter. Uh, and obviously you can follow the Devil State of Mind podcast at Devil State. Uh, we post new episodes of the podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil State of Mind and you'll find it. Um, you know, you could search the hashtag THPN where not only you'll see things posted from the devil state of my podcast, but all the podcasts on the, on the HPN. Um, you know, we have a podcast for literally every single team in the national hockey league. And we also have just original podcast, which is great. Um, you know, Europuck podcast. Yeah, we have Europuck podcast, which is good. Um, shout out to my good friend, uh, odd man rush. Uh, he's one of the hosts of that. Uh, they do a good job of talking about European hockey. So if you want a European perspective and what's going on in Euro leagues, you know, that's a place to go. But, uh, but yeah, we have a, you know, Instagram at devil state of mind. And we also have a Facebook page, just search devil state of mind. And uh, you can also follow me on my personal Instagram at end of VP QB 11. So that is where you can find me. And for people who like, they like to read stuff, you know, on hockey, uh, I, I'm, te- I'm actually technically, a amateur hockey scout for the puck authority. Uh, I write for them. Uh, my name is Joseph Stanislaw. Uh, I am found at, um, at heads up hockey on Twitter. So here is my, uh, my podcast address. If you're looking for me and you can find me on my personal, uh, Instagram. I mean, not Instagram. Uh, I do have Instagram, but, uh, my Twitter is, at Jersey Devil OG, so yep. yeah, it's not old gangster. I mean, you could type in Jersey world. Joe and you probably find it too. Yeah, that too. There, there might be a couple of Jersey Joes out there, but if you see that logo up there, yeah, there you go. That's that's me. That's me. That's not some poser. So, 
yeah if you want to follow me on instagram at j-e-r-s-e-y d-e-v-i-l oh it's like god man it's been an interesting day (laughs) (laughs) it's actually at joe of jersey sorry i'm just thinking of like my two my two instagrams so you'll see this there you go and sometimes i might post something to my stories from the podcast episode so for those you are listening from whether it's usa europe canada wherever you're from please give us a holler um that should be it uh neil i think we did a really awesome job yeah thank you thank you for having me on Uh, i appreciate it um i'm a fan of your podcast i know you're a big fan of big supporter of the double stadium podcast we appreciate you um and uh, i'm always I'm always happy to talk some Devils hockey, and uh, this was a uh, this was a great time. And I'm looking forward to uh, being on here again uh, in the future, no doubt. Thank you, and uh, here we go.